Eagles Entertainment. Welcome, Eagles, everywhere to the Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. I'm Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro. And, you know, as tough as it is, we got to turn the page and get ready for week two. The Los Angeles Rams coming to Lincoln Financial Field, the home opener in front of an empty stadium. So, yeah, we're, also, we're still getting used to all this, right? Um, and the Eagles getting used to playing football with a lot of injuries. We'll find out later in the week exactly the status of some players, but we know that Lane Johnson, who has said he will play at right tackle this week. We'll find that that out. Uh, he and Miles Sanders, Eagles running back and defensive end, Derek Barnett, according to Doug Peterson, will have their reps increased in practice. Boy, oh boy, do the Eagles need those players back as they place defensive end Vinnie Curry and cornerback Craig James on the reserve injured list and Sua Opeta comes up from the practice squad to add a little depth along the offensive line. But with Aaron Donald coming to town, the Eagles O-line has to be a whole lot better than it was on Sunday when they allowed eight sacks to Washington's very talented front. We'll talk about the Rams in just a little bit. And yes, we'll have our weekly one-on-one with head coach Doug Peterson, who talks about the experience of being on the road and the experience of playing in front of an empty stadium at FedEx Field on Sunday. But we're gonna begin with Eagles number one draft pick, Jalen Rager. Rager had a a very strong debut in one very significant way. He went deep on a third and 22 play, and this is what happened. Here in the opening quarter, seven nothing birds. Wentz again, third and 22. Back he goes. He's looking, still looking. He is going deep downfield for Jalen Rager, who makes it down at the 21-yard line. What a way for the rookie to make his first NFL t- catch at the end of a Carson Wentz rainbow. You know, I was just about to say, there's really no play for third and, and forever, but, boy, what a great job of play action, and they're able to get the protection that he needs, and he gives a little stutter move to Ronald Darby, an ex-Eagle, and just runs right by him. It was Rager's only catch of the game, but it sure showed his very high-level ability. He can run, he can catch, he's tough, he's strong, he's physical. He came back from a shoulder injury, suffered in training camp, in time to play in the regular season opener. His NFL debut, what did Rager learn from that? And what is next? For number 18, an exclusive one-on-one with number one draft pick, Jalen Rager. Jalen Rager, Eagles number one draft pick, makes his NFL debut on Sunday and hauls in the big one. Glad to talk to you today, Jalen. What did that catch do for you? What was the feeling like? Did it it feel like the ball was in the air for, for 10 minutes before it came down in your arms? Oh, man, to be honest, nah, it it happened so fast, to be honest, because, you know, Carson had told me when we broke the huddle, he was like, don't lose your speed. So I knew, you know, it was 30 to 22, and it was time to go make a play. And, you know, when my, when my number's called, you know, that's, that's what I'm here to do, make plays and, and catch the ball. So, you know, I just, try, I, I just tried to, you know, stay to, my, stay to my mechanics, stay to what I've learned, and keep doing what got me here. The big question is, did you save the football? Man, uh-uh, I didn't. What? I didn't. Come on now. 
These are moment. These are momentous occasions. This is your yeah. first NFL catch, first touchdown. You will save the football. Oh correct? yeah, it's coming with me. It's coming to the sideline with me. <laughs> okay. Yeah, <laughs> Jalen. Every step of the way, there's kind of like a milestone, right? And you right. kind of. Uh, how many milestones do you think you've passed to this point? You know, first day you come in, that's one milestone. First practice, another milestone. Do you feel like you're really advanced in the art of being an NFL wide receiver? I wouldn't say advanced because I just got here, but as far as milestones, I mean getting drafted for one first round is a milestone. That's a dream. That's every that's every kid's dream. And then to have a you know a role, a, a nice role in the in an organization like this, then step in the building and you know being thrown into the you know the offense like, hey, you know we want you to play here, we want you to play here. It's like those are all milestones. And I wouldn't say I'm in, I'm advanced because I just got here, but I have a lot of I have a lot of work to do. But I also know like. My, I know I, my ceiling is very, very, very high. So as long as I work hard and keep doing what I got to do, man, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be great. It's interesting because you do have a lot of confidence, but you're right. If you don't work hard, all that confidence means nothing, right? Nothing at all. So, so the goal here is the, the, the is it does it an internal work ethic that you have? Is it something that that has gotten better since you've been to Philadelphia Eagle? Have you always had it? It's always been me. You know, I, I have a natural chip on my shoulder. I, like ever since I was younger, and. Uh, I just I, that's what pushes me, you know, the the feeling of I wouldn't say necessarily being doubted, but it's just like, you know, it's a lot of people that 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 said I wouldn't, you know, wouldn't be here, and that's what I I strive off of, you know, I I, I work hard every day, I go in to work every day, you know, I don't take anything for granted, I take coaching, and I you know, I want to learn, I want to be great, so, I mean, that's what I pride myself on every day. Why did people and what kind of people said that you couldn't make it? What what about what you showed when you were a young kid? Said, hey, you're not good enough. You know, people just had their opinions, and and right, like I said, look at them now. You know, so. Jalen, uh, let's talk about what the first game um, night before. Did you sleep well? I did. <laughs> no problems. No problems. I went right to sleep. Morning of the game, did you have jitters? Man, I, I'm gonna be completely honest with you. I've never been a person to just have like jitters. Like I'm real, like not relaxed, but I'm real, like calm. Like I know how to. You know, who side, relax, and try to, you know, just just stay at a medium. And uh, I slept well. I woke up. I was I was very ready to go. Um, talk to my dad. Talk to my family. And man, it was it was a dream come true. Has your do you have a pregame ritual? I do. So usually, usually I eat Skittles before the game. <laughs> I gotta eat some Skittles, but I didn't have Skittles, so I just ate some uh, some chews, like some gummy chews, and I really just listened to music the whole time. Just and have a playlist. Get, and that gets you into a relaxed mode? Yeah. Is it? Is it? What kind of music is it? It's relaxed music, like, you know, some some old school music or, you know, just some just some nice vibes, like not something too rowdy that's going to have me juiced up, but, you know, I just try to stay relaxed and calm. Did you have a sense that you were going to be part of the game plan? Um, I did. I did. Especially, you know, when, when you know, it got the word got out that I would possibly play. Um, yeah, so, I mean, even before I got hurt, I was like, yeah, like, you know, this upcoming game, I should, you know, I should have a, a nice role in, in this offense. And, you know, I was I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm getting rolling now. I found it interesting when listening to you, your reporter's conversation that a lot of times when people get hurt, there's a natural negative reaction. Nah. That's not the reaction you're Can you kind of explain that? Nah, it's just, I mean, at the end of the day, like, it's football. You know what I'm saying? Things going to hurt. And I looked at it when I got hurt. I was like, it's, you can do one of two things. You can sit here and pour me or you can work harder. They say you could be back in four weeks. That means you'll be back week two. Why not get back week one? So it's like I woke up the next day. What can I do? How can I do it? You know, 
the rehab was going a little slow. Like, come on now. Like, I need something, you know, let's get going. Let me sweat a little bit. Let me let it hurt. And, man, I, I give 100% credit to the training staff. Jalen, um, how did you grade out in your mind and in your coach's mind from game one? Um, I would say it was like a, a C, a C plus B game. You know, I could have blocked better, could have made, could have, you know, ran my routes better, could have, I could have done a lot of things better. And like I said, that's the part of playing. You you learn, you'll never have a perfect game. It's always, it's always things you can do better, always things you can learn. And that's what I pride myself on. So, you know, I'm chasing perfection, but you'll never be perfect. But that's what I'm going to continue to chase. And now the Rams have a little bit of a book on you. Right. So what are they going to try to do to you on Sunday? Um, Who knows? But... I mean, I'm going to prepare this week and uh, watch film. And I'm going to just go out and, like I said, keep doing what got me here and just, you know, try to fine-tune everything. Um, the Nobody ever talks about the blocking. How much mm-hmm. more difficult is blocking at the NFL level than the college level? Um, It's just I, I feel like the players are smarter. So you kind of have to – it's certain angles and stuff you have to take, better angles. Okay, and two more questions for you here. It seemed like you ran past defensive backs all game. Did you feel that way? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not sure people really kind of knew that about you. Like, yeah. You know, they, so, but, but now they know. And then the last question is, Jalen, for Sunday, home opener, are you going to make sure you have Skittles or are you going to stick with the gummy chews? You know I'm going Skittles, man. You know I'm going <laughs> Skittles. Which, which, which pack do you think I'm going, red, purple, or blue? I think you're going to go with the purple. Come on, now. You already know. Okay. You already know. I'm going to go with that, too. You hey, already know. Jalen Rager, congratulations. Great debut. A lot more work to do, though. A lot. Don't get cocky. No, sir. No, sir. I appreciate your time. Thank you. So, appreciate thanks so you. much. Jalen Rager, Eagles first-round draft pick. Looking for more in week two. Yes, sir. Now it's on to head coach Doug Peterson, who understands the Eagles put themselves in a bit of a hole in the NFC East on Sunday. Although Washington, the only team in the division to win a game in week one. So there is a lot of season left to go, Eagles fans. Here we go. Doug Peterson, one-on-one. Doug, before we talk about Washington and the loss and what you do next year, let's talk about the experience of being on the road with no fans. Eagles lose the home field advantage on Sunday against Washington. What was the experience like for you? I'll tell you, um, you know, we pulled up to the hotel and, and you're expecting, first of all, you're expecting fans, you're, ex- you're expecting the media there, cameras, there was nothing. Um, and that's, that's, a, that's, a strange, that's a strange feeling when you're, when you're so used to having those people there uh, cheering you on, cheering you when you walk into the hotel. And it was the same way at the stadium. When you, when you first walked out onto the field, you know, I always catch myself kind of looking around to see the stadium fill up. Well, the stadium didn't fill up, and and uh, it was just a strange, uh, just a strange feeling. I think until uh, right up until kickoff, until you were right into the game. But but even then, not having the 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 real fan noise, the crowd noise, um, you know, was was something that uh, you know we're going to have to get used to. Was the energy level from the players at the same level it would have been had there been a full stadium? I think so. You know, our guys were energetic. Pre-game was uh, was 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 good. I, I felt the electricity from the players. You know, and and the guys I spoke to and, and talked to um, during pre-game, they they were ready, um, motivated, and they knew they knew going down there that they were going to have to bring their own energy. Right? They were going to have to 
create that energy amongst themselves, and uh, I felt that they did a they did a good job doing that. Watching it on television, you can hear the player talk. I mean, the chatter, the quarterback, all the all the checks, the verbal cues. Will that impact preparation? Do you will you now assign somebody, or would you think teams will assign people to watch football and, and pick up on those verbal cues? You know, that, that's been going on for years as far as watching TV copies because, you know, with the technology and the microphones and, and how well they can pick up sound now, everybody's mic'd up, you know, on, on game day. So, uh, but, yeah, I think, I think people are going to pay attention more to the TV copies and, and uh, try to pick up as much, uh, you know, communication, you know, uh, cues as they can. Uh, this is why we, we keep talking to our players and, and our quarterbacks in general to, to try to use more hand signals and nonverbal communication so that, that, that teams can't pick up on, on certain things. But, yeah, that's going to be something that's going to be a little more, little more probably impactful uh, in these weeks to come. Doug, I know we're past the Washington football team and onto the Rams, but for a moment let's focus back on what happened against Washington. What jumps out at you about that football game? What, what lasts with you? For me, it's it's kind of the tale of two halves. Um, you know, I, I thought we did some really good things to start this football game. It's it's what I've been talking to our team about. You know, starting fast and you know, an, an area that we struggled as an offense was scoring. You know, first quarter scoring a year ago, and and we got out to a fast start and, and scored on our, what three of our first four possessions. And defensively, you know, uh, up until that that turnover really kept them them uh, you know at bay uh, and, and and pitching a shutout. And then. The second half, you know, the momentum kind of kind of shifted a little bit, and and um, offensively, you know, we didn't do enough on first down to stay ahead of the chain, so to speak, and and kept ourselves in second down and third down and and long situations, which are hard to overcome. And then defensively, just not being able to get off the field like we were in the first half, and and then there were some little critical errors in there. Um, you know, obviously the turnovers are big errors, but you know, some substitution issues on defense, and then. You know, uh, Cam didn't have a very good punt, kind of backed up. It kind of went off the side of his foot. And it was just those types of things that just kind of crept into, um, you know, the game in the second half that kind of turned things uh, to Washington's favor. Doug, this team has always had an offensive line among the very best in the league. What was it like watching the film of that performance? A tough one against a really good front. You know, it, it, it was. It was tough, but at the same time, it was it – was, uh, it was exciting for me because we got a couple of young players that obviously and Nate Herbig and, and Jack Driscoll that got their first starts and and uh, you're talking about going against a you know uh, an All Pro DN and, and Ryan Kerrigan now you got Chase Young over there Montez Sweat you got guys that can that can rush the passer and, and stop the run and, and 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 quite frankly for the most part they did a nice job you know it, was it perfect no and there's a lot of there's some room to grow there but but I was in, I was encouraged by that and, and having JP back over on the left side you know where, where he feels comfortable uh, he'll, he'll just get better and he'll get stronger over there the more reps he gets and and then just Isaac and Kelsey you know just working together as a team but I think once we get the five guys that are going to be working together where they can get all of the reps that's where you're going to start seeing growth and improvement with that offensive line and Carson Wentz doesn't throw interceptions and yet he had two of them in the open I mean this must be very puzzling and frustrating for him and for you yeah you know he's disappointed um that that things didn't go you know uh obviously we didn't win the game but disappointing from the standpoint of of turning the ball over uh, you know like we did as an offense and and just uncharacteristic and um you know look it's 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 part of sometimes it's part of the growing pains you you go through 
uh, when, when you're playing some, some new faces on offense. And we just got to continue to work uh, each and every week, um, you know, and, and, and making sure that, you know, he and the receivers are on the same page and the running backs are on the same page so that these things don't happen, you know, in the future. Who stood out on defense? Washington had 239 total net yards. I mean, the defense overshadowed in this, uh, but there were some really strong moments for that side of the football. Yeah, I think, you know, the first thing that stood out was Darius Slay with Terry McLaurin. You know, I mean, he, he kind of matched him all day and, and kept him, I think, two catches for, you know, what, 28 or something yards. And um, and then our run defense, our run defense did a, did a nice job all day long. You know, were kind of the things that, that stood out um, you know, uh, to me, um, you know, with the defense and, and they played, like I said, it was kind of the tale of two halves. We played, a, you know, played a, played almost a mistake free game in the first half. And then things began to sort of unravel for us in the second half. And, and those are the things that are, uh, disappointing as a coach and disappointing as players, uh, that we have to fix moving forward. It is on to the Rams now on Sunday, good performance in their win over Dallas. They ran the football. They, they had time of possession. The defense clamped down. I mean, what are you seeing from the Rams early on? I mean, yeah, it's early. Uh, obviously, a new defensive coordinator, uh, first-time coordinator who, you know, obviously they get the win, and, he's, he, you know, they're, they're talented on defense. Uh, they play an up-tempo style of offense. You know, everything's pretty much at the line of scrimmage. You know, Goff is very efficient. Um, you know, and then the ability to run the football obviously keeps them – you know, keeps them on the field. And so it's a, it's a challenge again for us, you know, uh, our, we get to open up our, our, our season here at, at home, obviously now our, our first uh, home game. So we're excited about that. Uh, but, but this is a good football team. You know, they, they've been in the postseason. Uh, they've, they've been all the way to the Super Bowl. Uh, so this is, it's a well-coached team and, and it's a team that we got to be prepared for. With no fans, is there a way to replicate home field advantage? Do you have any suggestions, any ideas? It's it's hard. Uh, it's hard not having the you know that energy and that excitement in the stadium. You know, without the fans, just sometimes too, just playing at home. You know, where you where you're where you're right there in your your own friendly confines, as they say, uh, can can help motivate. And and you know, we've had a lot of great wins in in that stadium, and we've had some really good moments in that stadium. And we can kind of maybe lean on those opportunities or those moments in in, in the past. And and uh, but listen, at the end of the day, our players have to be prepared. Um, you know, we're playing a sport where we have to kind of self-motivate ourselves and then, and then we feed off of each other as we prepare for these games. What is the message this week, Doug? Is it a, is it a, what's your approach this week? We get right back on the horse, you know, and, and we're going to ride again. You know, I mean, we got to continue to work. It's a long season. Uh, the message is it's just one game. And uh, obviously it was a division opponent, which, which you don't like to lose your division uh, to your division, but but, uh, you know, we've, we've got one, one more game this week, another opportunity to get better as a football team. Our guys are very prideful. They're going to learn from it, move on, and, uh, you know, be prepared for Sunday. The Rams on Sunday night opened their season with an impressive 20-17 victory over Dallas. The Rams featured a balanced offensive attack. Jared Goff, quarterback, really more in the role of a game manager as the Rams rolled up the ground yards and control the football for more than 35 minutes against the Dallas defense. What is the identity of this Rams team? We know all about Aaron Donald, their massive dominating defensive tackle. We know about Jalen Ramsey, the highest paid cornerback in the history of the National Football League. How good are the Rams who just two seasons ago were in the Super Bowl? To get those answers, 
we bring in the radio play-by-play voice of the Rams, J.B. Long. Hey, J.B., uh, really good performance from the Rams week one. What takeaways do you have? Well, I think they actually played better than the score, and uh, unfortunately it kind of came down to a couple of controversial uh, calls or no calls, as you might have it, but that's every week in the National Football League, so we shouldn't be surprised by that. I think most importantly, their offense came out in rhythm and pretty sharp, and at the end of the night, they were able to open SoFi Stadium with a win, and given all the investment that's been made in that place in terms of uh, time and capital and and what it means to start an era on the right foot, I think uh, that's something that they can take away and kind of file away in the the memory bank and the scrapbook for uh, many years to come, and they'll be glad looking back that they're able to beat the Cowboys on opening night. We'll see what it means long-term. Uh, for their season. I mean, I, I thought going into last night's game that that could ultimately decide a playoff spot in the NFC, given the damage to the roster that the Cowboys sustained via injury. I'll be curious to see how much they contend for the East and for uh, an NFC playoff spot when all is said and done. JB, it seems that the Rams kind of came out and said, we're going to control the football. We're going to establish the line of scrimmage. We're going to run it. Um, your thoughts on that approach? And, and certainly it was very effective. Yeah, I think it was two-pronged. They did want to send a physical tone. I think much of this offseason was spent with self-examination from Sean McVay, uh, recommitted to being a balanced uh, run-pass team, uh, and even without Ty Gurley making sure that, that he set the tone physically with his running attack, uh, which honestly didn't get any big gashes, no big chunks, but they were determined with it. They were committed to it, and I think um, it helped them continue to move the chains. I think they had five or six uh, offensive drives measuring seven or more plays, which was great. I mean, that's just what Sean McVay wants in terms of getting his play count up there. The other part, I think, strategically, was just making sure that that vaunted pass rush from the Cowboys didn't get many favorable down and distance opportunities to tee, up, tee off on Jared Goff. If you look at depth of target and time to throw for Jared last week, it was a ton of quick game, almost an extension of the running game through the air. Um, and I think that was very much by design to take pressure off of Jared to keep the Cowboys at bay and to make sure that this offensive line, which struggled last year, got off on the right foot. It was a bit of a toe-to-toe. I guess people aren't quite used to the Rams going toe-to-toe. And they did it, and they win. I mean, do you feel like that's a, a, a moment to prove to the NFL, hey, we're, we're, we'll battle you, whatever. We're versatile. We can beat you many ways. Yeah, I mean, versatile is a good word for it, too, because after, what, three years of being almost exclusively 11 personnel, uh, December brought a different tenor, I think, for Sean McVay as he was forced to to go with more tight end looks. One, because I think strategically it was what he needed schematically, also because the injury to Brandon Cooks meant that, you know, three of his best weapons weren't necessarily all receivers, and that's where Tyler Higby emerged as one of the most dynamic tight ends in the game, so... Uh, to see him line up in 13 personnel last night against the Cowboys was really something um, that blew your hair back a bit if you've been paying close attention to the McVay era in Los Angeles so far. Yeah, What kind of role does Higby have going forward? What's your, what's your thought there? Well, I think his route running has become really impressive, and he had that reputation coming out of college, but you know, whether it's his body type or just the opportunities he was given early on in his career, I, he wasn't necessarily being split out as a number one to a side to help, you know, Goss read man zone, and then, you know, as a big target, you put him out there, and if they, if they do match up against him, he's able to just cross face with a solid route and present a really big target to Jared and and pick up slants um, and first downs along the way. In line, I think he's become better as well. Uh, I think he's uh, removing guys in the running game and becoming a threat in that regard. So, you know, I think Higby, you know, I don't know if I'd put him in the category with Ertz and uh, some of the other guys that just got paid, including the one up in San Francisco, but he's right there in that second tier solidly, I believe. 
How's Jared Goff been? What did he look like in training camp? And uh, he looked just like a very solid kind of, I hate to say game manager, but, I mean, he, he did all the right things on Sunday you know, you know, I've realized that I don't make any conclusions based off of Jared Goff's training camps because whether it's I just see him on the wrong days or I see him too many days, he never wows me in training camp. Like, his August never uh, necessarily gives me a ton of confidence going into the year. Um, but then on game day, he's just that. And one of the cool, uh, I guess, silver linings about playing in an empty stadium is you do get to hear and listen to how he does manage that line of scrimmage. And it's very composed. It's very poised. Um, you know, for a no-touchdown, one-interception game last night, I thought he was about as effective as I've seen him. And I think that speaks volumes to the quarterback he's become in year five overall and year four in Sean McVay's system. Uh, I, I believe he's a consistent Pro Bowl uh, caliber quarterback. And if that means he's a game manager, uh, so be it. Because when he doesn't turn the football over, the Rams win. Yeah, and there, there's we saw that on Sunday. The Eagles turned the football over after going up 17 nothing, and it cost a victory. Defensively, look, everybody talks about Aaron Donald. I mean, he really is... I mean, he, he, I would imagine for you, you look at him and, and kind of every week you go, what's he going to do to impress me next? I mean, there was a rep uh, in the game last night where he absolutely destroys the left guard and then takes on Ezekiel Elliott and forklifts him yep. uh, and almost shoots him into Dak Prescott like a game of Mario Kart. Um, it, it's, it's a thing that he does every week that you kind of take for granted. And when every team game plans against preventing, you know, trying to prevent him to get to their quarterback and come away with strip sacks. The fact that he still makes the dent in the game that he does is truly remarkable. And the other thing is they've been able to weaponize him, I think, for the benefit of some other pass rushers. I mean, when you overload a side and it includes Aaron Donald, you can almost guarantee, for instance, that you're going to get the backup right tackle for Dallas isolated in a one-on-one speed rush. And knowing the world of hurt that the Eagles are in currently along their offensive line, um, it probably will be Donald early and often, but when it's not, the attention that they have to give to him creates really wonderful opportunities for everybody else. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, th- really great defense performance against the Cowboys, and I do want to just finish with this one. It's a, because we're still getting to know Darius' big play slay, and to have a cornerback who goes out there and certainly has a ton of personality, has a lot of fun, Jalen Ramsey as well. This is kind of a fun matchup here. The the Ramsey Slay thing is going to be kind of a side story this week that I'd love to play up. How is Jalen Ramsey looking? Yeah, if only they could be on the field at the same time. I know, I know, I know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, it's it's. Uh, I'll tell you this. Like that was kind of my perception of Jalen from the outside, and now getting to to watch him work a little bit, he definitely loves to chatter. Like he'll run his mouth. Um, but he also backs it up. And the other thing that I think uh, those who watch Hard Knocks saw is what a great teammate he can be and how in practice he's a mentor and a coach and he's given tips to young receivers and defensive backs. Um, so so he, he uses his words in a lot of different uh, capacities. Uh, and now the highest paid corner in the game, obviously he's got a lot to do with his play to kind of back that contract up. Um, but going up against Cooper and I think maybe the best receiving core in the National Football League in Dallas, he got off to a nice start. JB, thank you so much. And uh, now, do you make the trip? Do you do the broadcast from the location on the road? Uh, we are not traveling as of our current predicament. Right. I would like to think that uh, maybe as we get into more West Coast trips and a little bit deeper into the calendar and hopefully in a better place from a public health standpoint, that might change. But uh, for now, we will be off the monitor. Yeah. Well, good luck uh, with a new experience. And uh, Merrill and Mike had to do that this past week when the Eagles played Washington. So. It certainly is an adjustment, and uh, wish you the best of luck. Thanks so much for your time. Well, thankfully, we uh, live and operate and work in an era of 
pristine HD television where that actually might be better than some of the views we get around the NFL. <laughs> That's true, but there's nothing like being there. Come on. <laughs> no, no I, personally, in terms of the travel and the experience, uh, I'm very disappointed to not be there in Philadelphia yeah, this week. No doubt. Well, hey, thank you so much for your time and uh, really appreciate it. Be well. Thanks, JB. Take care. And that will do it for this episode of the Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. I'm Insider Dave Spadaro. Thanks to Peter Kelly and to Ray Doyle for all their work. Thanks to all of you for joining us each and every episode here. Make sure you're with us again as we bring our tailgate edition to you on Friday. And we want to make sure that all of our listeners are registered to vote. And you can text EAGLES to 26797 to register to vote. Remember, November 3rd is the day. Thanks so much for joining me, everyone. Have yourselves a great Eagles day and fly, Eagles, fly. E-A-T-L-E-S, Eagles!